Welcome to the Road Sermon Podcast, where we'll explore a powerful story called the Parable of the Shrewd Manager. In this episode, we dive into the important lessons about money, relationships, and making choices that matter in the long run. Imagine going back in time and investing in successful companies like Tesla, NVIDIA, Apple, and even Bitcoin. We'll also talk about the true meaning of wealth and how it connects to our purpose in life. Join us for an eye-opening conversation that challenges the way that we think about money and inspires us to focus on what really counts. Listen in and enjoy the challenge. Good morning. If you are joining us online, thanks for making the choice to worship at the road. Everybody online in the house, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 16. If you can grab a Bible, a phone, something that you can follow along in God's word with. I want to start with a question, kind of a fun question. If, if you had a time machine and you had $1,000 and you could go back to any place in time, where would you invest that $1,000. Let me give you a couple of ideas, okay? Uh, if you could go back 10 years from today, and you could take $1,000 and invest it in Tesla. Well, that's it's a pretty good investment, not the best investment. Just hang with me. You'd have $145,000 today. If you had $1,000 and 20 years ago, you had put it in NVIDIA. Uh, you'd have $245,000 today. But now let's talk about Apple for just a second. If you had 1000 bucks and you could go back to 1984 and you invested it in Apple, today you'd have $1.2 million. But here's the big one. If you had $1,000 11 years ago and you had invested in Bitcoin, you would have 286 Bitcoins. Wait. You know the value of one Bitcoin? That would have a value of $7.7 million today. 11 years ago. And that wasn't even at its highest. At its highest, you'd have had over $20 million from a $1,000 investment. And if you're like me, you're thinking, if I had only known, (laughs) if somebody had just told me. And that's what today's parable is about. Today's parable is about Jesus giving us the best stock tip ever given so that we can never look back on life and say, if I had only known. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to read with me beginning in verse 1 of Luke 16. And we're going to read through verse 15. Follow along with me, if you will. I'm going to ask you to highlight a couple of things. Uh, Now, he was also saying to the disciples, kind of put a star there uh, because that identifies the audience and that does matter. There was a rich man who had a manager and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management for you can no longer be a manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I am not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do. So that when I am removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. Put a Start by that verse because this is why he's going to do what he does. And he summoned each of his master's debtors and he began saying to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. 
Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by means of wealth of unrighteousness. So that when it fails, and, and believe me, it will. When it fails, they will receive you into, their eternal into the eternal dwellings. He who is faithful in very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you uh, will entrust the true riches to you. And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters for you to hate the one, love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things and were scoffing at him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time. Uh, great worship today. Uh, good fellowship, Father. Uh, it's always a joy to be here. Father, a hard word today for us. Uh, I pray, Father, that you would give us ears to hear. Uh, I pray that you would give us understanding that maybe previously we didn't have. But, Father, more than anything, you would give us a heart that wants to be obedient to you. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, this story is about a really, really rich man. He's so rich and he has so much stuff that he cannot manage it himself. And so he has to hire people, right, uh, to manage the, his affairs so he doesn't have to worry about it. And he hires this guy. This guy's a horrible worker. I mean, he is just a horrible, horrible, horrible worker. And eventually that reveals itself. People start to tell him, man, this guy's not managing your stuff well. He calls him in and goes, dude, you're fired. I, I'm not going to let you work for me anymore. And, th and this guy's like, man, what am I going to do? How am I going to survive? I've got to have a plan. And he thinks to himself, you know, I, I've gotten soft. I can't dig ditches. I, I've, I've, been, I've been working in office way too long. I'm too proud to beg. What am I going to do? And he comes up with this ingenious plan. Uh, he begins to call the people who owed his master money in. And, and, uh, and this is what he's supposed to be doing all along. And, and he says, how much do you owe my master? And the first guy says, man, I owe your master 900 gallons of oil. Let's put that in perspective for you, right? Because we read those things. That's not our culture. We don't understand them. 900 gallons of oil is the product of 150 olive trees. That's an orchard on a ranch. That's a lot of olive trees and a lot of, that's a huge debt. And this guy looks at him and says, get your checkbook out now and write me 50% of it. And it's paid in full. The guy goes, deal of the century. Absolutely. Writes that out. Man, moves to the next guy. How much do you owe? A hundred measures of wheat. That's a thousand bushels of wheat. That is the product of about 30 acres of wheat. Now, in our mind, 30 acres isn't that much. When you're doing it by hand, it's a lot. It's a whole lot, right? And so, so this is a farm. This is a guy's product of his entire farm. He goes, hey, get your checkbook out right now. Write me 80% of it. Give you a 20% discount today. Guy goes, deal, man. Now, this parable always bothered me. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you that I don't think I ever understood the truth of this parable until this teaching. 
ever in my life because I'm like, Jesus tells a story about a man cheating a man. Until I realized he's not cheating them. This is about investing in your future. Watch this. The man, the manager who lost his job was paying the balance of the 50% out of his own pocket. He was investing in his future. That's the point of the parable. He wasn't investing his manager's money. He's investing his own. So he's paying 50%. He's paying the 20% out of his own pocket. He's writing checks out of his account. And that key verse is verse 4. So that when he is jobless, these people, because he gave them this huge discount, will be willing, as the scripture says, to take him into their homes. This is why the owner of it all looks at him and says, you're a genius. You're a genius. I can't believe you haven't been applying yourself. Verse 9 explains the point. Jesus just very, very bluntly explains the point of this parable. And it's super, super, super simple. You and I are to use the blessings of this life to build relationships that last beyond this life. That's the point. And while the point is super simple to understand, it's really, really hard. I need you to look at me. To apply to life for the most prosperous people that have ever lived. I need you to hear me. As a matter of fact, Jesus is going to say it this way. He is frustrated that people who are not his followers do a better job of using their stuff than the people who say they follow Jesus. That's an indictment. And so we're going to unpack this and look at our lives and try to figure out what we can walk away from this with as the most prosperous people who've ever lived and followers of Jesus. Look at me. This is going to get hard. This is going to get hard. Number one, uh, we are citizens of an eternal kingdom living like citizens of a temporal kingdom. Um, we need to understand when I ask you to mark in verse 1, who was Jesus talking to? Jesus was not talking to the multitudes, right? Jesus was not talking uh, to the masses. Jesus was talking to a small group of people who had already made the decision to be a follower of his. The word disciple is used, right? So if you're here today and you say, I am a follower of Jesus, this is for you. This is what Jesus expects from you if you identify as a follower of Jesus. Now, if you're here and you go, I'm not. My mama made me come. My daddy made me come. I came because my wife would get mad. Then you get a free pass today, right? Free pass. But if you say, I follow Jesus, then this is Jesus talking to you and to me. First thing. Wealth can make life better. And all the people said, we're afraid. <laughs> no. Right, right. We've got to agree on that, right? Wealth can make life better. It, it's really good to be able to pay your bills. It's really good to be able to take a vacation. For some people, it's good to have a lake home and toys and stuff. So I don't want you to go, man, it's an anti-wealth. No, no, wealth is a non-issue. And, and wealth does have the ability. Wealth gives us the feeling of security. It's the false impression. But it does feel good to look at the bank account and think I got money there. I can tell you from my life and the lives of others I know that one phone call can change all of that for you. One phone call. 
So it is an illusion of security. Here's what the Bible says is dangerous about wealth. It's falling in love with it. Um, When we fall in love with wealth and we start pursuing it, it becomes the most important thing in our life. It becomes extremely dangerous. And that's the warning of the Bible. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil, not money. Second thing, uh, if life, if wealth can make life better, what is life? All right, hang with me. Super simple. We say it every week. We start every service with it. Life is about what? All right, once we've identified that reality, that life is about relationships, watch this, then we know what money can make better. Are you with me? If life is about relationships and wealth is about making life better, wealth is about being used to make relationships better. And this is where things start to get very hard. Um, if we define life as being about me, uh, then, then life is about what wealth does for me. Uh, it's about me buying me nicer things. It's about me wanting more. It's about me being beyond comfortable, right? Not just comfortable, way, way beyond comfortable. But if life is, is really about relationships, then my wealth should be used to build those relationships. Um, and I need you to see that's all Jesus wants us to see. Is it, that God blesses people, right? And there's a reason he blesses them. I want you to build significant relationships so that people come to know Jesus. I want you to use what I've given you to build relationships that have something eternal in them, not to be consumed with everything you want. This is where he expresses his frustration with the sons of this world doing a better job of managing their stuff than followers of Jesus. Third truth, and this is in verse 14, it is possible to be really religious and really love money. Verse 14, the Pharisees, they got uncomfortable. I told you we would get uncomfortable today because they really love their money. So, right, and I, again, I'm not yelling this message. I need you to hear this because a lot of times when a message like this comes across, it's screamed at you. I'm not screaming it at you, but if you're uncomfortable, maybe you know why. They got uncomfortable because they loved their stuff. And to make this even more uncomfortable, Jesus said, if that's what you love, then you, you really don't love me. I didn't say that. Jesus did. He even looked at him and said, it's impossible to love me and love money. If that's your number one thing, he said, you don't love me. You don't love me. Again, words of Jesus. Just want to clarify before we go further. It is not a sin to have. It's a sin to have and not use what you have for eternal purposes. Um, God blesses some people, right? I mean, it's amazing how much God blesses people. All of us are blessed, but God blesses some people incredibly. And what God wants us to do is don't don't feel bad. You're not going to get to heaven and and God's going to go, you didn't make it because you had too much stuff. The Bible doesn't teach that. But the Bible does say when we get before him that he's going to look at us and go, what'd you do with the stuff I gave you? How'd you use that stuff? Because I'm, a, I'm about eternal things and did you use the temporal stuff I gave you for eternal purposes? 
Was your life about you or was it about me? Which leads us to start making some practical application from this parable. Man, this one's hard. Verse 15, what people highly value is despised in God's sight. Read the scripture. We read it so fast we don't even pay attention. That Jesus said what men highly esteem is despised and detestable in the sight of God. So I'm going to rephrase that. What I love, God hates. That seems extreme because I love a lot of stuff, right? I love a lot of stuff. I've got guitars, right? I had four of them, four. I can't even play a guitar, (laughs) right? I mean, I'm a hack. I love to try, but I'm just no good. I had a musical bypass when I was young. Something happened and it just, it's hard for me. And I have four of them. I sold one this weekend because this stuff's bothering me. It doesn't make any sense to live life the way we live it. Why would I have four? Because I've bought into the lie that it's all about me. Oh, and it's not just guitars. It's everything. It's everything. And then God looks at it, and this is what God would say. Every time you pick one of those up, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Why, why would he care? This is it, because we struggle to get this. We go, God, that hate everything that I love. This is why he is a jealous God. And he wants to be your greatest love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and strength. It's like this. My wife was here for our service Wednesday night. She sat right there. I said, it's like my wife came home and said, listen, I want you to know I love you, but I found a man and I love him 40% of what I love you. Is that okay? No, it's not okay. Why? I don't want you to love any other men. I don't want you. If I went home to her and I said, hey, babe, I love you a lot. You know, I'll do my best to take care of you. But I found a woman. I'm going to give her 50%. Uh-uh. Y'all be doing a funeral. <laughs> right? Listen. Right. We get that so easily, but we don't get that God says, I am a jealous God. And here's, here's what your life looks like. The stuff that you could be giving me, you're giving to everything else. You're giving your time to other stuff. You're giving your money to other stuff. You're giving your energy to other stuff. And it breaks my heart because I want you to love me. I want you to love me. And so when you pick those things up, I hate them because they're taking what you could be giving me. So what is it that God loves? If that passage says that he detests the things we esteem, what is it he loves? God loves people. Watch this. It is so simple that he gave what he valued most for people. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It's this parable. And all Jesus is doing is saying, I want you to live like I lived. I want you to be willing to give what you could love most for the relationships, the people around you. Number three, life doesn't end, so plan for beyond your death. Uh, We've all believed the lie 
Yeah, life's going to end. Life doesn't end. Uh, we just change locations. And it doesn't matter what you believe. You're going to change locations one day. Um, this body wears out. As a matter of fact, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, the apostle Paul compares this physical life to a tent, right? Uh, we're a tent, this physical body. So, so I've I had days when I like camping. Uh, I don't care that much for it now. But you go out and you're in a tent. And a storm rolls in. Like we've had these pop-up storms and that wind is just fierce and it's pouring rain and it's brutal. And it takes that fragile tent and it rips that thing to shreds. What do you do when the storm tears up your tent? You go home. You hear me? This life's going to tear your tent up. It's already torn some of your tents up. And one day that tent will get so battered and so tattered and torn that you will get up and you will go home to an eternal place. The Bible says it will either be heaven or hell. And what we do with what we have now as followers of Jesus impacts what happens once we get there. So listen to me. We plan so hard for the 15 years of retirement you're going to get. Maybe 20, right? Maybe you're lucky. Maybe you get 20. But let's just say 15. Think of the effort and the energy you put into life to make sure that 15 years is good and you've done nothing to get ready for eternity. Do you realize how much longer eternity is than 15 years? That's unbelievable in our lives. That, that God, Jesus gave us the greatest stock tip ever. Here you go. One day you're going to look back and go, I wish I knew. Now you can never say that. Because we know. And this makes us uncomfortable. We don't like talking about, uh, about heaven. Uh, because we see heaven as this big even Stephen playing field. And look at me. It is not. It is not. Everybody doesn't get the same thing when you go to heaven. You're thinking about getting into heaven. Grace is how we get into heaven. And that's free. But what happens once we get there is different if you read scripture. And we're talking about what happens once you get there. And this always makes us super, super uncomfortable. And the Bible uh, talks about heaven. And again, the people with the worst view of heaven are church people. What are you going to do in heaven? Oh, I'm going to sing, stand around thongs. You don't even sing when you come to church. <laughs> what are you going to go heaven and sing for? Eternity? Can't sing for three songs. No. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. This is what Jesus talks about when it comes to heaven. There are kingdoms and there are authorities and there's reigning and there's serving and there's work. And Jesus says it so many times. What you did in this life is going to determine what you do in the next life. Let me give you a couple of those passages. Revelations 5 verse 10. My followers will reign with me. Revelation 2, 25 and 26. Those who overcome, Jesus will put in authority over nations. 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure until the end, we will reign with him. Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. How you've handled what I gave you in this life will determine what you get in the life to come or if it's taken away from you. 
I don't even want to think about that. So I don't know what heaven's going to be like. I just know most of us, um, we have a faulty picture of it. Uh, and, and what Jesus is saying, look, I'm giving you the best stock tip ever. Um, what you do with this stock tip will determine what heaven is like for you. And this is what he wants us to see. The only investment in life that counts is people. The only investment in life that counts are people. Um, you want to be rich in the life to come? People matter. We invest in relationships during our time on earth so that we can have the chance to see someone else experience eternal life. That is the point of why we have what we have. We use our stuff to build relationships to share Jesus. So now I'm going to leave you with four practical tips on how to have a retirement plan that's out of this world. Um, first one, be strategic with your eternal goals. Uh, take your investment in heaven as seriously as you're, taking, as you're taking your investment on earth. Time, energy, have a conversation with your family. What a great spiritual thing to do. Hey, what are we sending ahead? What are we preparing for? for this life after this life? What's it look like for us? What provision have we made? How do we want to live and, and honor God with what we have? And, and someone has said that the greatest thing about tithing is tithing is the antidote to materialism. You make your plan, give priority to honoring God through the local church. That's what the Bible teaches. It is our priority. It is not the only thing we do, but it is our priority. And for years and years and years, there are tremendous numbers of faithful people who've been honoring God with what they give. Here's what I'd want to challenge you with. In light of this, look at what you give and, and reevaluate. Ask yourself, did I cap what I give to God? Did I get to a place and go, man, I am here and I am done. Thank the Lord I am done. Because it's highly likely he didn't cap what he's doing for you. Right? Number two, diversify. This is kingdom stuff. This is not church stuff. This is kingdom stuff. So we start with the local church according to scripture. That is our priority. And then we decide what we're passionate about. So, so look at me. What are you in love with other than the stuff? You in love with foster kids? Do you look out in this world and go, there's some kids out there and nobody loves them? And I'm going to take the stuff that God has given me and I'm going to change somebody's life. Because I'm investing in eternity. Right? You look at it, sex trafficking. It's unreal in our world. And, and, and people are, are doing horrible things to other people and they're broken and they need somebody to stand in the gap for them while we build bigger houses and buy more toys. And Jesus says, you've missed it. I wanted you to stand in the gap. Are you passionate about the homeless? All I'm saying is this, diversify all the good stuff to the most prosperous people in the world that God has given. What do you, where and how are you giving it? Third thing, start small. I love this. I love this. Um, when it comes to loving people, especially at church, you, you get this. We just love everybody. Pastor, we just love everybody. I'm going to tell you what that is. That's an excuse to love nobody. 
Okay, tell me how you're loving everybody. Because there's just too many of them. There's too many of them. Right? Choose one. Find a single mom. Find a single. Do you know how hard it is to be a single mom? Find a single dad. And God's just poured his cup of blessing out on you. And you look at them and say, man, I am going to change your life. I'm going to put you under our wing, man. I'm going to buy your kids school clothes. I'm going to buy your kids school supplies. I'm going to make you car payment this month. Find, find somebody out there that's struggling. And one person, right? Do for one person what you wish you could do for all. Because if you wait until you could do it for all, you're going to do it for nobody. Nobody. Do for one. Choose one. Don't everybody choose the same one, right? <laughs> choose one. And do for one what you wish you could do for all. Last point, we're done. Realize none of this is yours. None of it is. Uh, this guy, and he's both of us. This guy in this parable is both of us. There was a moment when he took what wasn't really his and he mismanaged it. That's going to be a number of us. And when he came to his senses, he realized it was never mine in the first place. I got to do a different job with it. That's us. This isn't ours. And we can mismanage what isn't ours or we can manage it well. And we can honor God with it. I want you to bow your heads and I want you to listen carefully. Because I understand the weightiness of this. I, I would tell you that in my own life, my wife and I had conversation about this yesterday. Probably nothing been more weightier to me than to look at, at our lives and go, is this what Jesus wants? Is this what Jesus wants? Is he honored? I don't even ask if he's honored. Ask if he's just happy with it. With what I do with my stuff. And so my question to you as we wrap all this up is this. Are you ready for what happens when this life ends? Have you prepared? And the most obvious preparation is to make sure you have a relationship with Jesus. And so I would tell you today if you're here and you'd say, Pastor, I just don't know. I just don't know. Matthew, Victor, or myself would love to take the time to talk with you. Because the, and Elijah, Elijah's here. It's just too important to not know. It's just too important to not know. Second thing is, in light of eternity, eternity's a long time. Are you growing? Right? Pastor, I don't have the 15 minutes a day to spend in God's word in light of eternity. Knowing that we're going to spend eternity somewhere and what we do in this life is going to impact eternity. And I, I, I don't have 15 minutes to prepare for eternity. And last one is, would you evaluate what you're giving? And there's some generous givers here, and I'm grateful for them. And there's some people who, quite frankly, they don't give it all. 
would, would, you, would you just take a moment and in light of your spiritual walk with Jesus Christ, ask yourself, as a follower, am I doing what I should do? And then if you're one of those people that God has blessed, would you look around? Would you say, God, bring me somebody that needs to know you still care? Somebody that just needs a little bit because, God, you've given me a lot. Would you give me the opportunity, Father, to make an eternal investment? An eternal investment. Father, thank you for our time together. Uh, God, is heavy, weighty. It's hard to hear when we have a lot of stuff. And God, you have given us a lot. I pray we would love you enough to hear it. I pray, Father, that our ears would be, um, our ears would hear and our eyes would see. And Father, you'd begin to change us from a, a temporal people to an eternal people. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand? Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.